Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations. Please wait for your host to begin this meeting. Your meeting is now being recorded. Hey, you there? Yeah, Brian, hello. Hello, Dennis. How are you? Good, how are you? I am good, thank you. I sound good, look good, audio, everything's working. Are you asking um, me or you're telling me? No, I'm telling you. Everything looks good. Okay, um, great. Great, great, great. I, I have a lot I want to talk to you about. I'm very excited that you that you uh, are joining me as my first guest. But before Yeah, we... I'm excited too. Great. Uh, before we get started, though, um, you know, most podcasts do start with an ad read, so I'd like to do that. Um, okay, great. <laughs> so if you could just... If you could just, you know, I know that like, this is the first one. I don't have any actual sponsors yet, but I do want them. And I want them to know that, you know, I'm down to play ball. So I decided just to write up some ad reads myself for some stuff that I use. You're hoping that random companies or businesses are listening to this podcast. Here you do this ad read and go, ooh, maybe, yeah. I think, you know, this is like an interestingly formatted podcast with like a brief window. Are you asking or are you saying? I'm saying. Okay. Um, so I want them to know that like, hey, can he get ads into a 40 minute, 39 minute conversation? Um, Great. Well, watch this. Cool. This week's presenting sponsor of 39 minute conversations, Purple Carrot. It's a meal kit <laughs> delivery service like Blue Apron or Green Chef. Oh. It's a different color and noun, Purple Carrot. The recipes are 100% plant-based and delivered right to your door. So if you're like me, vegan and anxious about leaving your house, try Purple Carrot. You'll receive dinners like cauliflower shawarma, cauliflower steaks, cauliflower wings. If you like cauliflower, baby, look no further. Delicious recipes and all the ingredients you need. My personal plan is three dinners a week, but each dinner recipe is two servings each. So most weeks I got six dinners because I'm alone. And some weeks I have three dinners because I'm alone and sad. But you know what won't make you sad? The reasonable price and tasty meals. Try Purple Carrot for 20% off using the promo code. And this is where I'd have the promo code if I had one. Um, but I don't. So, you know, but I, you know, one day I could. Purple Carrot, make your taste buds happy. Is this podcast just like an MLM? Like, are you just trying to pitch me Purple Carrot and you get me for 39 minutes? Hello, I'm Brian T. Arnold. Welcome to 39-Minute Conversations, a podcast about reconnecting with old friends and making new friends. Oh, wow. We've only, we've only got 39 minutes to do it because I will not be paying for Zoom Pro. Great. My well, guest because of the ad read. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're fine. My guest today, who you've already heard several times, is oh. a Los Angeles-based writer, director yeah. and comedian yeah. originally from the mean streets of Chichester, Pennsylvania. Oh God. You actually Googled the, oh, oh His yeah, experimental <laughs> sketch comedy team, Funk Shuffle, performed oh. regularly at the UCB theater and the clubhouse. He's a fantastic screenwriter who made his directorial debut with the micro budget feature Paradox Lost, released by Gravitas Ventures and available to rent and purchase where movies are rented and purchased. Dennis Curlett, welcome to the show. Brian Arnold, hello. Thank you for having me. Do you think that there are people mm -hmm. who hear their their um, their descriptor? What was it called? Their, like a, um, the bio. Their bio and feel good. Like it's just the most embarrassing thing to hear what you have. <laughs> 
what you were trying to put out as like, yeah. this is what I am to you people. It, it, it's always uncomfortable. I did, I, I'm in a fantasy basketball league and everybody in oh. there is um, somehow like film TV uh, podcast world. And I didn't, I didn't know most of them, but the guy who started the group, like he started the draft night on a Zoom with like, and now I'm going to read everybody's bios from their website. What? As a joke <laughs> just, or no, like yeah. just so everyone to know each other? As a joke and so everybody would get to know each other. It was a little bit of both. Um, and my bio, even though like, I was in there with like, oh, this guy writes for this late night show. This guy just had a show picked up for whatever. And I had the longest bio of anybody and the least amount of credits. Yeah, this is not a dig. This is not a dig because I think it's something uh, for both of us. And I think mm -hmm. it's important because we got to, there's so many things that it's like, this is me, this is how I'm presenting myself. But I think the longer your bio and the more you put it out there, the less <laughs> successful you are. The more successful you are, the more you're trying to hide your like social media presence. Sure. No, I mean, the, the goal is to get famous enough to not be on social media and just, yeah. To be, yeah, yeah. Like just successful enough that it doesn't matter anymore. Like you don't it, need it. It's not going to affect you in any way. And granted, it's not really affecting us that much anyway. Sure uh, it is. It's how we embrace the darkness. That's a good point. Um, speaking of embracing the darkness, you know, this podcast is, you know, about uh, reconnecting with old friends, making new friends. Cause I have been very, isolated and careful for two and a half plus years and I continue to be and all that's true that's great but it would be disingenuous to say that you and I haven't already we don't stay in touch we do we we lived together for the first year of the pandemic uh before you moved out and left me alone with my thoughts and you're one of the few people that I talk to like very regularly and see occasionally um you have been and continue to be a, a very dear friend of mine and I just want to start by saying I appreciate that I appreciate that too. And back at you. It felt like you were reading another bio. <laughs> <laughs> but this one on friendship versus yeah. the personal bio versus the career bio. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we lived together for, for, I know we lived one year during the pandemic, but we were roommates for seven years. So yeah, that is a, a shit ton of time. Um, and it's... we moved in together because we both wanted to live, I believe, near UCB Franklin because we were both in the improv, UCB improv community at the time. You believe that's why? You like, oh, I think like theoretically, I think I could see like that's, yeah, we were looking like only almost exclusively around UCB. <laughs> like, What's we around a, here? We had a very specific plan. Um, all we wanted was to live close to the comedy theater that we desperately were trying to, to get into. I will say I have seen what you have done to the apartment. I don't know if any of this is interesting. But I've seen care. what you've done to the apartment since I have moved out. And I think you've made it for living there alone and being very safe. I think you've made it much more of a livable, nice environment. So that's good. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was definitely like it was boy apartment. Like when when it was just us, it was it was basically, you know, movie, like, movie posters on the yeah, walls, movie posters on the walls. What do you um, have on the walls now? movie posters and frames <laughs> they're framed now um and they but they look really nice like i've yeah. and in the kitchen i put up some pictures of fruit yeah because it just felt like that's what goes in like the kitchen dining room area and you've got like a room where you just like exercise which is and like I've, seems like healthy i have a room that is just an exercise room slash office and then you have a room that's just a, a cot and a video recorder <laughs> <laughs> for a podcast or something right um, I asked you not to bring that up on mic. Um, uh, Brian's a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> My Airbnb is not going well. 
at this point. <laughs> you do have to post pictures um, and don't get a lot of bites when the pictures are that creepy. How are you doing? What are you drinking in that cup? Brian has a mug in his hand. Uh, this is green tea Ooh. with lemon juice and stevia. That's very healthy, I think. What's stevia again? Isn't is stevia natural or is stevia chemical? They say stevia is natural. It comes from a plant, but I'm sure they. They, they say. I'm I'm sure that they. I mean, it's like it's a. It does come from a plant, but I'm sure it's processed like on the way to. Before it gets to your body, it goes through some kind of process that probably takes away everything natural about it. So do we think, are we, is the idea better than sugar or not better than sugar? I mean, it's zero calories. So in some ways better. Okay. Um, in other ways, you know, if they ever do like a study on like, oh, we just discovered stevia gives you cancer. I would be like a very early case study. Cause I, I use it in my coffee. I have like stevia soda. I, I use too much stevia. Knock on wood, knock on wood, knock, knock on, wood, on wood and no, and no um, to people who are going through this, but doesn't everything at this point they think cause cancer? Pretty much. So like, yeah, I, I've been reading that the, you know, mRNA vaccines, they're saying like within two, three years, maybe that we'll have like a cancer vaccine. So I'm like, great. Bad habits continue. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. Uh, it was one of my old improv buddies. I want to give him credit. Kyle Denny would always say like, um, you know, that like whenever he did something like dangerous or, you know, potentially with lasting consequences, he'd be like, I trust science. Like that'll, that'll save me one day. That's very funny. That reminds me of like the, the Simpsons, Bart Simpson, where they're like, you can't be a bad kid your whole life. Don't you want to heaven? He goes, I'm banking on a, a deathbed, deathbed confession. Uh, confession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's a, that's a pretty good system. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to know the deathbed's coming. That's the only thing. Like, yeah. It's hard to do like the surprise, you know, like, oh, now like I don't get a deathbed. I just have this moment to like, you know, you got you to gotta get it in a few times at least. Sure. A few, a few deathbed like conversions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do have a question. Great. As you are, you know, one of my dearest friends here and somebody that we have lived together for so long and been so close. Um, during this time where I am, you know, living the way I'm living, do you feel extra burdened by being my friend? Like, do you feel like you have to like, I need, keep, I need to keep up with Brian to make sure he's doing all right. No, the burden has been constant throughout. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, yes, absolutely. I, I think as, I think for about, just from my point of view, I think for about two years, everyone was in the kind of the same boat. We mm-hmm. were all kind of like, everyone was kind of like being safe or scared or we didn't know what the deal was. And like, if people were doing things they were hiding from other people, so they didn't know, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the, from my point of view, the world has opened up a whole bunch. Yep. And now I kind of worry a little bit. Like, I, I think you are naturally cautious. Mm-hmm. And so pandemic has heightened that slightly uh, or made it seem more heightened. So I do I would love to see you out a little bit more, even if it's only in Mm -hmm. safer situations. So yes, I do feel the, not the burden, but like, I definitely think uh, anytime you're doing something that's outside of your apartment, I'm like, oh, great. (laughs) Okay. That's nice. Like, cause sometimes like, you know, if I get a call from Dennis, I'm like, first I'm like, oh, cool. I'm good. Um, You know, Dennis is calling in second. I'm like, I wonder if he's just worried about me right now. That's that's one thing that also comes to my mind. Uh, If, 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 um, 
there are definitely times like with all friends where if you know they're going through something specific, there's definitely times we want to check in to make sure everything's okay. But I think in general, no, it's just the, hey, we are friends and I'm calling because you're the person I call. Okay, that's nice. That's that's very important. Did I hear did I hear Jesse behind you? Yes. The poor thing. I'm watching my girlfriend's dog, who, mm-hmm. Jezebel. She's great. She just loves Liz, who is my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> so when Liz isn't around, she's a little bit anxious. Um, sure. Now the problem is the way the apartment is built. Jezebel is smart enough to know that when she hears the garage door open, that could be Liz. But <laughs> it, 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 for the last three days, it has not been Liz. But every time she goes into a, this is it, this is the moment. Every time she hears the garage door, which I feel oh. really bad about. Sure. Um, that's I, I relate a lot to Jez. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You love Liz. Love, that's that's the point I'm trying to get across is that I also love Liz and I'm sad when she's not here. Um, now that the world is opening back up, are you getting back into a lot of your old habits and hobbies? Um, and how has that changed from pre from 2019 and before? I feel crazy. <laughs> I feel crazy. Um, I, I feel the push and pull of the how you have changed in the last two years and then everything like I'm being like, do I go back to the way things were or have I grown past this? And then the push and pull of that. Mm-hmm. I used to do so much. This is going to sound really dumb. I used to do so much improv. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, I think I would do like five days a week, maybe of going at night. I'd go like, oh, go do a show and then hang out with friends, get a drink. Um, and truly over two years that has gone completely away and now it's coming back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is one, I just feel my body is just not used to it anymore. I just can't do it. I'm tired immediately. And sure. then two, I'm not as good as I was. So it's like a thing that I used to do because it was like, makes you feel good and you have fun doing it is back to how it felt when I first started doing it, which is like, did you okay in that show? Uh, what do I, I got to take a class. Ah, and which is like, what are you doing? Sure. Um, it, it feels I don't know. It feels like the universe is saying grow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but that is the one big, that is the one, I will also say this, when the pandemic started, I was getting into a pretty serious relationship, which was a big change in my life too. So mm-hmm. it's, it's. I'm curious if the world never shut down what I would be like now. Cause I feel like some of the stuff is natural for being in a relationship and some of the things are natural for, I was in a pandemic for two years. Right. So I don't know, like, I don't go to the, I don't like hang out at bars and stuff anymore. And I don't really miss that. No, same. I, I, I missed, I missed getting a drink after a show. Yes. But yeah, I don't need the, the net, like the full night of it or doing that. Like when I wrote for um, a sketch comedy showcase thing, we were writing, we were way meeting like it, way to make it not specific. Love it. We were, we were meeting like um, for when I was writing for the CBS uh, sketch comedy showcase um, I was, uh, we were meeting three or four days a week and we would go to the bar every night after. And it was just like, it was great when I was, you know, 29, 28. What was I doing that? Probably about that. And now I could not, I could not do that. You said you got in that car accident. Um, no, I've never been in a, in a drinking related car accident. I learned not to, you know, drinking and drive is bad. I have been in car accidents, but unrelated. What's the worst car accident you were ever in? Um, I was working as a morning news producer back in West Virginia. And so I was not, and I was living with like three roommates who had like normal day jobs. So I would work from, 
11 p.m. until like 6 a.m. the next morning, uh, 7 a.m. And I was just, and then I would still try to like stay up and hang with my friends. And I was just exhausted all the time. And I went to see a movie with my friends. It was whichever Fast and the Furious came out in 20, in 2011, I guess it was. Um, I've had to have been that's, 2011. That's, sorry, keep going. It's okay. And then like, I was just driving back on the highway and I was positive. I was like sleep deprived. I had just seen a movie about cars going fast and recklessly. And I was driving and I looked over in my, in my the lane beside me. I was positive a car was coming at me in my lane. Probably wasn't. I was just uh, buzzing and high and just exhausted on fumes. I swerved, overcorrected, flipped my car like three Whoa. times and ended up in the median upside down. Wow. Um, yeah, it was bad. Uh, but thankfully, like, I was fine. Didn't have to go to the hospital or anything. Like, I got a little piece of glass in my ear that I was able to shake out. I, uh, my shoulder was sore from, like, holding onto the ceiling. Like, you know, like, and I just remember thinking, like, as I was rolling, like, this is when I, like, pass out and wake up in the hospital or don't wake up. Like, this is when I hit my head. Like, I was, like, doing the play-by-play of it. And then it just never happened, thankfully. Like, I remember it very well. But, you know, I, I was fine. What was your was was your worst accident? You said you pushed the car home, too? No, no. I uh, <laughs> people people ran out. I'm sorry. This is not an improv set. I didn't. Yes. And you um, people didn't. People came out of their houses to, like, check on me. And we called 911. Uh, the people at the news station that I worked at were like, I told them I was in a car accident. They're like, that was you. We heard that in the police scanner. They're like, record uh, some of it so we can do a story <laughs> on it. They didn't come. Uh, they, maybe if they knew it was me, they would have. Or maybe that would have made it worse because of, you know, I was too close to the story. Mm. Um, what was your worst accident? Um, I, I would say my worst accident, I was on a, it wasn't a car accident. I've been in plenty of like, like fender bender, like not too bad. When I was a kid, I was riding my bike with my two friends and we were on our way to soccer practice. And we were leaving a corner grocery store because we just got like candy or something. And all three of us were pulling out of the corner grocery store. And there was like a bush that blocked the street so you couldn't Mm. see it. And so the two of them pulled out. And then I pulled out. And as I pulled out, uh, a car hit me and I flipped over the car. And then as I landed, I heard my friend yell, car. And then I'll never forget this. I'm laying on the ground. I'm looking at my my bike, which is like underneath the tire of this car, like bent in two. And then the, the woman, who I'm sure was terrified by what just happened, got out and yelled at me um, <laughs> for about five minutes. And then she got back in her car and drove away. Um, and then we walked to soccer practice uh, holding the bent in two bike. Um, and then we did soccer practice. And then... Um, a friend's parents came and picked me up and took the, the bike with me. Cause my, I grew up one of nine kids. So it wasn't, I knew, I knew my parents weren't going to pick me up. And like, yeah, I, I explained to them later that night when I saw them, Hey, yeah, I was hit by a car. <laughs> the bike's gone. Jesus. Um, speaking of, so I, that actually got into an area that I wanted to talk more about people who know you, know you from improv, know you from screenwriting, know you from all those from from your yeah, movie um, uh, but people who don't know you well might not know that you're one of nine children uh that sounds crazy 
That family. sounds really like a really interesting way to grow up. Yeah, we're a family out of time. I feel like in the, I feel like I meet a lot of older people, like next generation after me, people who are like, oh yeah, I had eight or nine brothers or sisters. But yeah, growing up the way I did, it was very, um, yeah, it was weird. They, uh, my family is very um, Catholic and we've never really mm -hmm. talked about it, but it was just like for 20 years, my mom was pregnant and holding a baby and then pregnant and holding a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and we were very poor and very broke and like in a very small house and it was nuts. And at the time it was like, why is this happening to us? Um, but now as I am older, it's very nice and I'm very appreciative that it happened the way it did. That's really nice. It's nice that you have that perspective on it. And it's it, yeah. It is nice to have nine people plus to be able to call at any time who have to unconditionally love you. <laughs> That's really sweet. Yeah, my, it, it is like, I, I was also raised Catholic, but I think, yeah, like a generation, like my, my mom was, had five brothers and sisters. Um, so like, yeah, you, for the most part, it's like the generation older than us that it seems to have that, but uh, your generation kept it up. Are any yeah. of your siblings carrying on that tradition? Uh, the most, a couple of them have three kids. Okay. So that's, that's the most. Okay. A my sister of, has a of two. Sorry. My, no, that's fine. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, my, my sister has four. So I feel like she's trying to like, to restart it. What do you think that is? I mean, not to, is she going to listen to this? I doubt it, but she might. But I mean, I, I, I would, I think, you know, she, but never always, mind. We don't gotta, we don't she always gotta. wanted a bunch of kids. She fell in love and was like, yeah, I want, I want a bunch of kids. And, uh, you know, you, now go ahead. You grew up, there's only the two of you, right? You and your sister. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So do you want a bunch of kids? Do you want, what do you want? What are you thinking? I don't, um, I'm not sure if I do want kids. Um, for the most part, you know, I think, I think people, I don't want to like lump us in the same crowd, but I feel like we've like, we moved to LA because we were like, this is, this is the thing that I'm focused on. I want to be a writer. I want to be a filmmaker. I'll be an actor. This is my thing. And once maybe that feels fulfilled, I could see it potentially, but it was never like the thing that drives me. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I think almost even a little, I agree with everything you just said. I think even a little bit more than that, growing up with so many brothers and sisters, the first 18 years of my life was just babysitting. Mm -hmm. um, so I am in, I feel like there's a lot of people, which is totally fine and great, who come from the perspective of, oh, I'd love to have a baby or raise a kid. Like, wouldn't that be fun? And in my brain, I'm like, ah, it's so much work. So yeah, I'm you already no did it. rush to get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't really do that. Like, I, I will say like, I was in a relationship where like, I had never wanted kids, never anything. And I was like, and while I was in that relationship, my writing started to like, go like, Oh, I, like, this is actually like, maybe this is going to be my career. And at that point I was like, I could see getting married and having kids. Like it was just such a, like a one-to-one, -one, like fast reaction of like one level of my hierarchy needs of needs is filling up. So what's the next one? Like it's yeah. If you never feel stable, like if you have some success and then some failure and then some success and failure, if you never, we're in a, we are in a business where nothing is guaranteed yep. ever the end. Yep. Um, so if you never feel stable, are you all right with staying focused on the thing you came out here for? Or do you think there'll come a time where you're like, yo, I got to do something <laughs> over here? I think there's a chance of, um, you know, if, if things are going badly enough or like, the industry drives me out in some other way of just like, Oh, I'm not fitting in. I'm not, I'm, this isn't, they're not making the kind of things I want to make, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, I could see like 
oh, I can figure out something, another job to use my skill set. I could write and direct commercials in a small town and find, you know, like you can find something that makes you happy enough. And then like, but you might, yeah. But at that point I'd probably be like, I need more than just this job to be the thing that fulfills me. I think a family would be something that I would want at that point. So the, the rage from not getting what you wanted in the first thing, you then take that out on this new right. collection of people. Right. Um, I want, I want the kids to know that like, they're the reason I gave up. Um, they're the result of me giving up more than that. Like not, not the reason I gave up, but like, Hey, you're only here because I failed. You are my failures. <laughs> um, that feels like a good time to do our second ad read. Oh, great. Yeah. So this week, we're also sponsored by Peacock because I've been watching a lot of Cheers lately and Cheers is on Peacock. They've got other shows, originals, classics, modern hits, even movies. But for my money, when you're wasting your entire life indoors, at least your television set can take you somewhere where everybody knows your name. Classic characters like Norm and Coach will remind you of the days you used to go to bars and have friends. Sam and Diane will remind you of when you had love in your life. Will they? Won't they? I don't know. I'm just in season two, but I can't wait to find out. Cheers on Peacock. Cheers to you. Dennis. Yeah. How did you go from Chichester, Pennsylvania, one of nine kids to writer, director, actor, comedian? What sparked that and what was that journey like? I was hoping you were going to say from from Chichester to LA, and I was just going to say a car. Uh, <laughs> I know uh, better than to leave things open ended for you. Can you ask the question again? <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, you're from like we're both from small towns. We're both from like as far removed from the industry as you can kind of be. The corn. What, what sparked you to like this is what I want to do with my life, and then how did that? Pro, like how did that start coming about for you? I, I, um, um, everybody's different. I mm-hmm. feel like, I feel like I have always wanted to make movies and I don't know. I'm trying to think back on, I remember when I was a kid, um, and this is one of those things where it's been asked so many times and I'm wondering if this is a real story or if this is just something I have created. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, when I was like, like, first grade the paper came around and asked all the kids what do you want to be when you grow up and why Mm -hmm. um and i pitched um i said i wanted to be a firefighter and that was a good one because most kids put like astronaut or like firefighter was good for the paper because it was different from you know wizard or sports person or uh something that was it was something tangible so they're like oh good a real one (laughs) sure Uh, but then when they asked why do you want to be a firefighter I told them, this is probably incorrect. It was from, I saw a movie. I saw Superman where Superman picked up the ice. He froze a lake and flew it over a thing and melted all the the lake over a thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, a lot of my explanations came from movies I had seen. And my teacher asked me, do you like movies or something? Um, (laughs) And here's the truth. My father was always a person who was coming up with, just thinking back on it myself. My father was the type of person who, if you had five minutes, he'd tell you a story he just came up with. Mm-hmm. If he took you out to like McDonald's, it's because he had a story and he needed an audience to tell his story to. So I think that's in our system a little bit. I have some brothers and sisters who also do that a lot. Um, 
I was always like a performative kid. Like if you watch videos of me growing up, I'm always jumping in front of the camera being like, this is channel six news. Um, and then I remember the first time feeling good about something or talented about something was uh, I had transferred from Catholic school to public school and they were having a play. And for the first time I auditioned for the play. Actually before that, I had an English teacher who we were reading a book out loud or a play out loud or something. And he asked me to read one of the parts and this wasn't even like a thing in my like brain on how things work. I remember I read one of the parts and afterwards he was like, good job. And I was like, what? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tried out for the play because he was like, you should try out for the play. He told all of us to try out for the play. And then the rush of doing the play and then coming out to an audience that tells you good job mm -hmm. and feeling for the first time, oh, I'm good at something, I think sparked it. And then hearing about how Sylvester Stallone sold Rocky and how I got to star in Rocky was like a story I heard at a very young age mm -hmm. and like stuck in my system became like my thing of like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my way in by writing a script and not selling it and being the star of it. Right. And that stuck for so long, but I always wanted to make movies. I always loved movies. I was always writing, loved performing. Um, so it was always there for me. I'm always, I'm always very curious about people who don't have that because I think mm -hmm. it's a curse and a blessing. It's like, I've always known what I wanted. So it's like, I'm always just going for that. And I know that is what I want, mm -hmm. but that is, that's good in terms of, I never feel lost. It's bad when you don't have it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm always like curious and a little envious of people who are like, I, I, I do this and this makes me happy and I live a life and I'm like, but, but what do you, what do you want? Like, I just want to live a happy, good life. And it's like, that seems nice. <laughs> How about you? How did you get here? What did you, what was your journey? Um, well, this podcast is more about you, but I'll say a little bit about it. Sure. Um, I remember in middle school, like there was like a, a, a short story competition and the short story that I wrote was like, what if there was like a naked gun four? what would that story be? <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> so I like I didn't think of it in terms of like you know I was just like that would be fun like that's what and then the teacher like pulled me aside and she was like where did you get this from I was like I just wrote it she was like this sounds like something Leslie Nielsen would say and I'm like really wow and then she expelled you and then she expelled me and I didn't finish middle school sure. um and then in high school like the first thing I ever wrote tried to write was uh, a sequel to um was a sequel to oh we just have 10 minutes remaining that's what <laughs> 10 minutes remaining in the podcast guys um in high school i wrote like a sequel to x-men that was the first time i tried to write a script and that's how and you then, broke in with that and sequel and then i wrote x-men 2 um yeah, i was these guys 15 years united. old <laughs> um and then i remember like the movie that like really sparked me was like that changed my life it's a little I don't know. I don't want to say embarrassing now because it was it was a movie of the moment that isn't looked on as fondly as it now as it was back then. <laughs> oh, I know what you're gonna say. Um, what was it? It was Garden State. Sure. Um, which was like at the time billed as like the movie of the generation, and like as the years have gone on, I think people have kind of like you know look at the tropes of it and how it kind of infected other movies. I think that kind of hurts Garden State a little bit, but at the time it was really, especially for the age it hit me. And I only went and saw it because I love Scrubs. And then I was like, oh, well, a new movie. And then I watched it and I was like, indie movies are like different. Like, yeah. I want to make movies like this. That's great. I was thinking how 
Um, I have a top five. I've had a top five for a long time. And mm-hmm. one of them I no longer even put in there. I can't say it. So I'm like, here's my top five. And then I say four and just kind of trail off. <laughs> sure. Because people give you weird looks uh, with good reason. When you say Braveheart was one of the movies that influenced you Absolutely. growing up. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you said there's no editing. <laughs> <laughs> I can bleep something if we have to. So uh, do you want to get into the more specific stuff of how we got to where we are now, or we want to go to the more like ethereal, like, you know, our journey, like why we wanted to do this? Like, do you want to get into the specifics of what we're doing now? What do you want to do? I apologize. <laughs> You're fine. Um, take me where you want to go. Like, what do you want to say about, about writing or comedy or like, where's your head at right now? Because I feel like you're leading me in a direction that you actually, that you want to talk about. God, now I have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if you want to talk about how we got into our first actual career stuff or the UCBs. There's all kinds of stuff that led up to now. Yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about that journey. Like once you actually got to LA. Um, you wrote an article for tracking board Launchpad a few years ago. That uh, was about, uh, um, I can't take these things back at the time. They make so much sense to you. <laughs> Literally with just a little bit of distance. You're like, why? Um, but you wrote this article about the times you almost quit screenwriting and sort of your journey to getting to this point. So I needed, I needed that sweet 100, I needed that sweet hundred bucks from the, I, I've written a few of those blog posts. I've gotten some sweet hundreds. Um, so what, uh, yeah. So what was it like? Like, what was your journey to becoming the screenwriter that you are today? Like, how did that happen for you? I will say this. I am old as shit. Don't ask me my actual age. I'm old. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I, I feel like my life has always been like a 10 year delay. I feel like growing up with so many brothers and sisters, you don't, you don't have experiences that everyone else has. So I feel like I'm 10 years delayed is what I tell myself. And that's why I stay sane. Um, I will say that I did not become this is the thing that I think isn't that I view as important to myself. I, I always say like, why didn't it happen sooner? Why didn't it happen sooner? And I will say that I do not think that I became the screenwriter that I am now until I was in my thirties. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I was writing since I was 16. Like I, I was literally writing my first script. I, I had the script to star Trek four for some reason, like the, the, it was sure. like in a hardcover star Trek four, and I had it. So I'm like, oh, that's how scripts work. I have, this is my one example of a script. So I was literally writing a script when I was like 16 on like loose leaf paper. So I've been writing since I was 16. I've always been a rebellious, weird kid. So even in school, when I would take screenwriting classes, I'd be like, they'd be like, read these books on screenwriting. And I'd be like, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't need your format. I'm just going to create. So I wish I had read those books. Sure. Um, so I don't feel like I was the screenwriter that I am and fully understanding it and fully like in control of it till I was like in my thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I needed all that time to get to that place. That being said, I always knew I wanted to make movies. So when I came out here, I worked sets. I was a set PA for like five years. And what I would do is I would work sets for half the year and then I would take half a year off and write, mm-hmm. um, which was good. Cause I was learning set. I want to direct, I have directed, but I want to direct. So learning set was really important to me. I love set. I feel like when I go on set, I'm like, oh yeah, this, this feels correct for yep, how my brain I agree. Um, and then the writing kept writing. I was very slow at first. So you'd finish like a feature in a year and then you'd look at that feature and go, this doesn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> I really should have read those books. Um, but it started coming to, so in my thirties, I found improv too. So when I mm-hmm. hit right around 30, I found improv. And so I couldn't set PA anymore and still do improv. So I had to find another way to survive. And at the same time, I had interest in one of my scripts. 
Um, in my life, I've had a couple of times where like lower, maybe not the most honest producers reach out and be like, Hey, we like this script. Will you sure. rewrite it or do something for us for free? I've done that a bunch. And while that's bad, I feel like I've learned a whole bunch from that process and it got me to where I am now. Mm -hmm. We're running out of time. Do you, do you have things you want to talk about? Do you have, what do you got? What do you, what do you, well, like so, ticking clock. I, I love watching the tick. Like I didn't know what the effect the ticking clock would have on a guest. I think it's fun to watch you speed up your story. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, because we have four minutes left uh, and this podcast does end when the zoom cuts us off at this point, I would want to say um, if you have anything you want to plug anywhere, let people know where to follow you. Let's go ahead and do that before uh, oh, sure. you, get you can get uh, before we get cut off. Yeah. Brian and I both live on Canyon still uh, in, <laughs> in Hollywood. We I used to live with Brian. And I live down the street now. I'm see either of us under no. the corner of and you'll probably see one or the other. Oh of us. my so God, you're going to get us I'm, murdered. I'm plugging. What is the I'm, gas station on the corner? I might, I might bleep this. I you might. Can. Wait, you I said might, there I'm, was no bleeping. I can bleep. I'm not going to cut anything for time, but I can bleep. I will uh, say I made a micro budget feature that I'm super proud of. It was made for so little money, uh, and when you watch it, you'll go, "That's correct. This was made for little money." But for, <laughs> but for the amount, I had always wanted to make a movie, mm -hmm. and it was the first time that I did that. And it for the amount that it was made for. I am incredibly proud of what it is for how it had to be made. But if you are just a person at home watching a movie, I think you'll still like it. Uh, it is, it was made for nothing. Uh, yeah. Thank you to everyone who donated to the Kickstarter, but basically nothing. It's a great um, movie. It's called Paradox Lost. It is um, right now. If this comes out, it's free on Prime right now. You can oh, watch hey. it. It's free on Tubi. I think it's on. I think it's either on Paramount Plus or Peacock, which has already been advertised. It's on one of those <laughs> for free. Uh, but check it out. Paradox Lost. 2021, it came out. We shot it in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely check that out. And I do want to ask some more, like, I want to get in some deeper questions here. But first, two and a half minutes, because we have two and a half minutes left. But first, our final sponsor today, three sponsors is Open Houses, a web series that I happened to co-write and act in. Yeah, it came out in 2016, but they got like 500 views or something. So odds are you haven't seen it. It's a web series about Elise and Brian, two friends who create fake personas to crash swanky open houses they'd never be able to afford. Directed by Nathan K. Wood, starring Brian T. Arnold and Elise Michelle, featuring hilarious improvisers such as Dennis Curlett, hey. as well as Jade Law, Majid hey. Nami, Jennifer oh, Shaw, yeah. Donna Thomas, Christina Woo. Karchner, Ross yes. Brian, and from yes. Babysitter's Club, Jessica Lena Eason, oh. plus many, many more. It's a show that critics haven't really said much about because no one has seen it, but you can change that. All six episodes are streaming at openhousestheseries.com. That's openhousestheseries.com. Open houses, come on in. Dennis. It, it, it was shot in our apartment too, so you won't know exactly which one is the apartment, but it's in there. It's a good show. Dennis, how often do you think about death? About death? Yeah. We have a minute and a half left. I want to get serious and get to know you, and that's what this. we don't have long to do it. I don't, I, um, I don't think about it. I think about it sometimes, but I'm not like, uh, how often do you think about death? Oh, all the time. In Most a bad days. way? In like a, oh no, here it comes. Sometimes, yeah. Like, in, like a, in like a, oh weird, my chest hurts a little bit today. Well, goodbye everybody. I, I think I will miss being a human being. And I think this experience is incredibly special, but I feel like what I've come to terms with is energy can't be created or destroyed. And there's so much more going on in the universe than we could possibly understand. So let's see what happens. 
If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you want to know? Ask it one more time. If a crystal ball could tell you your future or something about your life, what would you want to know? Do I make another movie? (laughs) (laughs) What is the meaning of life? I think it is just to experience things, which is going to sound bad based on what word this podcast is, to experience things and meet new people and you have a certain amount of time and to do as much as you can, see as much as you can, experience as much as you can with that time. Hmm. Wow, that actually did, that hit pretty close to home. Your meeting has ended. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to 39-Minute Conversations, hosted and produced by Brian T. Arnold. Music by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tune in for new episodes, and don't forget to rate and review. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't do any of that. That's okay, too. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be well.